0: Hello and welcome to the Biotech 2050 podcast. Biotech 2050 is a think tank chronicling the disruptions changing the biotech industry over the next several decades. Check out our website at biotech2050.com. I'm Rahul Chaturvedi, today's host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Clora. Clora is a platform that provides access to the world's life sciences expertise and is the place to discover, build, and manage on-demand life science teams. I'm very excited to welcome Avanish Velanki, co-founder, chairman, and CEO of Rain Therapeutics. Thanks for joining us today, Avanish. Thanks for having me, Rahul. So to start off, we'd love to learn about the arc of your career and how you got to where you are today.
1: I think my career in biotech had a bit more of an atypical path than what's conventional in this space. I'm not a PhD scientist, I'm not a medical doctor, and I didn't come from a history in big pharma where I may have had a storied past of selecting and launching several programs. When I look back at my career, I think for me, a defining set of experiences was my time on Wall Street, you know, understanding how investors looked at companies, understanding how CEOs thought about growing a business and running a process to raise capital, and simply learning how to run a regimented process for a deal. It was after the Wall Street experiences where I was able to translate ultimately those experiences to the biotech industry within a corporate development strategy team. So when I look back at my career, I can now piece together the puzzle of how those unique experiences helped shape my skill set and offer a set of beliefs that I hope ultimately will benefit Rain Therapeutics today. However, at the time many years ago, I didn't have a plan to start a biotech company, and I was merely just trying to learn and learn multiple aspects of the business. You know, I'm reminded that famous speech by Steve Jobs from Apple, and this was his very well-known commencement address at Stanford where he talked about connecting the dots. He said it was difficult to connect the dots going forward in one's career, but it's easy to do when looking backwards. That talks very directly towards my situation, and I absolutely think that that's true. I had a diverse set of experiences from very early on. Starting out from academia, I had a fundamental base in the biological sciences, but then added a business degree. So a brief shout-out to my Golden Gophers from the University of Minnesota. It was actually at the advice of one of my professors at the U of M that led me to look at equity research in biotech as a path, leveraging my love of the biological sciences, but with a business twist. At the time, I was surprised to know that stock analysts in biotech were more scientists than they were business people, since, of course, (laughs) the only thing that really matters for biotech companies is whether or not the drug works, and that's more science than business. So I got really excited about this path. So after my MBA, I went straight to Wall Street in one firm in New York prided themselves on recruiting the atypical, hungry, passionate candidate, and that was the venerable Bear Stearns & Company. Now, I have a tremendous loyalty to that bank in their leadership and their philosophy for giving an an unproven kid like myself an opportunity, and it was at Bear where I learned what the business of biotech is. I worked for a fantastic senior research analyst that taught me the technicals of evaluating clinical trials and also how to market. It was a fantastic place to learn. Importantly, I got to interact with so many management teams that helped me start to develop opinions on what works and what doesn't. I saw numerous biotech companies approach the task of managing capital and in different ways of building teams and ultimately seeing which strategies were effective and which weren't. I ultimately grew into a position where I launched coverage as a senior analyst on my own, but then my career took a unique twist by then being recruited to the other side of the investment bank. I transitioned over from Bear Stearns and Equity Research to global healthcare investment banking at Citigroup. So moving from advising investors on biotech equity investments based on publicly available information to now the banking side where a banker was a trusted confidant of the CEO, and partner with CEOs to advise them on how to grow their business. At City, we were the exclusive advisors to several businesses, big biopharma companies, including Bristol-Myers Squibb, and had the good fortune of executing on several of their high-profile, multi-billion-dollar transactions back in the early 2000s. This is back when they were trying to restructure themselves to look more like a biotech company with a primary focus on therapeutics, and look less like a global, diversified conglomerate. I don't know if many remember this, but at the time, Bristol Myers was also making baby food. For me, I went from understanding how investors approach making stock investments to now learning how to run an organized process for a deal, how to negotiate a deal, and the mechanics of how to raise capital. These experiences would all be very valuable to me at Rain Therapeutics. So I left banking after city, left New York altogether for the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, the Bay Area, the hotbed of global innovation. New York taught me the capital market side of the business and biotech investing, but the Bay Area, I think, infuses everyone with a very deep sense of entrepreneurship. It's in the water over here, and the culture of this region really promotes thinking out of the box. And I joined a small company called Proteolix, and they had a fantastic program, a proteasome inhibitor for patients with a certain blood cancer called multiple myeloma. At the time, another proteasome inhibitor was FDA-approved, but it had a big problem one of the side effects was peripheral neuropathy, where patients lose feelings in their fingers and their toes. And unfortunately, the way to resolve that problem, docs would have to dose-reduce the therapy to prevent it from being a permanent loss of feeling. However, when you have the challenges presented by cancer, and certainly difficult cancers like multiple myeloma, the last thing you want to do is reduce the dose of a drug that's effective because that's going to make it a lot less effective at a lower dose. Safety and efficacy, again, are very closely tied. Patients need to be able to tolerate a therapy at an efficacious dose. Proteolux was able to figure out that the reason for the side effect from that marketed drug came from its structure, its molecular structure, and so they devised a new proteasome inhibitor with a different structure that didn't lead to the same problem. And that drug is called carfilzomib. We sold Proteolux to Onyx back in 2009, and Onyx ultimately sold themselves to Amgen for that program. And carfilzomib is currently marketed globally to patients with multiple myeloma under the brand name Kyprolis. So from the perspective of my career, joining Proteolix through the sale of a company for an effective cancer therapy post-clinical data was all a great learning experience. However, most of all, Proteolix gave me something that working in the banking sector did not. It brought me much closer to the patient. It was a privilege to be part of that team. I think once you get to be a part of a company like Proteolics and so many other companies like them that are devoted to patients, it's a very difficult thing to turn away from. And so my experience at Proteolics was certainly a precursor for what I wanted at Rain Therapeutics. Now, those three prior experiences, Bear Stearns as a stock analyst, Citigroup as a banker, and Proteolix in and investment in corporate development, they were all very unique and required very different skill sets. And while I went on to other roles prior to starting Rain Therapeutics, I think for your listeners, Rahul, What defined the arc of my career were those three experiences, and it allowed me to be very multifaceted, which let's face it, any entrepreneur has to be. And it all ultimately led me to form Rain Therapeutics and incorporate the company in April of 2017 with a vision to introduce a multitude of precision oncology therapies for patients struggling with cancer.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Avinish, for walking us through that. And so when it came time to found Rain Therapeutics, we'd love to understand the founding story and how you landed on the idea and how you decided to put that team together in the early days.
1: Again, I think the story of the founding of Rain Therapeutics for me goes back to covering stocks at Bear Stearns, because again, that's where I started to form certain beliefs about how companies ought to be managed. I think anyone who founds a company or starts a business does so because they think they have a better product or a better way of doing business. For me, I felt I could allocate capital more effectively than many of the companies that came before me. I thought we could do this through a clinical trial strategy with more frequent data releases, smaller proof of concept studies, genetically selected patients, all of that to help de-risk biotech drug development, at least de-risk drug development relative to some of those companies that came before us. You know, I recall looking back at my time at in New York, I recall many companies in the cancer space back in the early 2000s that didn't have a mechanistic rationale for pursuing a particular indication. What they did was largely trial and error, throwing the spaghetti against the wall and see what stuck, trying all of the indications in phase two and hoping something would work. The failure rate was high. The overall cost to bring a drug to market was much greater than it is today. It was an experience that led me down the road of truly believing in this religion of precision oncology. Now, many of your listeners already know quite well what precision oncology means. But to me, it's fundamentally and very simply understanding biology, understanding biology to develop a therapy and carefully selecting patients. If I believe a certain type of cancer is caused by a mutation or amplification of receptor X, for example, I'm going to develop a targeted therapy that addresses that issue with receptor X. Now, I'm not going to be as concerned with where that tumor is. If a lung and breast cancer have the same problem with receptor X, I would expect my therapy to address both types of cancers. Location of the tumor isn't as important. This all seems like common sense today, but back in the early 2000s, back at Bear Stearns covering stocks, there were a slew of multi kinase inhibitors that hit a variety of targets, and they had a very limited therapeutic window, and they were being tested against everything in the hopes of finding success. So today, we've seen the advent of tumor agnostic basket studies that enroll patients in trials based on the presence of gene markers and less less about where the tumor may exist. So precision oncology was going to become a fundamental tenet of my belief system of how we could build a better business. So by focusing on biomarkers, running smaller clinical trials, carefully selected patient populations. That means we can generate data far more quickly and generating data more quickly means you can more appropriately make decisions and change course when you need to. And then ultimately going back to that first point I made Rahul, better allocate investor capital. So my particular vision for the founding story of RAIN Therapeutics was based upon finding ways to better manage capital and capital allocation so that we can can more rapidly bring therapies to patients. However, I'm not the only founder of Rain. It's important to mention I have a tremendous partner that also brings a strong passion and vision for the business as well. So this leads me to your second question about putting the team together. Putting a team together started with what I did not bring to the table in terms of skill set. Some of the skills that I did have included being able to raise capital, craft a story for investors, find and transact for technologies around the world. But as I said earlier, I'm not a medical doctor and I'm not a PhD scientist. So in order to build this team, I looked for team members where we could complement one another. I co-founded the company with Dr. Bob Doble from the University of Colorado. Many in the industry know Bob because of his work in the precision oncology field with companies like Loxo Oncology and Ignita, two stories that are great, fantastic case studies for this type of business model. As a physician scientist, Bob was a pioneer in being one of the earliest voices advocating for tumor agnostic basket studies as a rational way to test therapies. And perhaps what I appreciate most about Bob is his passion, the fire in his belly and his enthusiastic drive to move quickly. I come from Wall Street, where we've always prided ourselves on moving extraordinarily fast, but I think I'm certainly matched, if not exceeded by Bob. He brought skills I didn't have, and I think I brought skills and experience that he didn't have so that our company could also become a real business and not just a science project. We also had other members of the early team that were accomplished researchers as well and team members that had been with me before in prior roles with experience in deal execution. Therefore, that was the beginning of a team with a diversified skill set and all of whom wanted the same thing, to build a fast-moving biotech company, to bring new therapies to patients who can't afford to wait.
0: That's a very exciting progress, Avenisha. You You all have done quite a bit in a short period of time to have a lead program in the clinic and in late-stage clinical development. I'm curious, as you think about various different indications for RAIN Therapeutics, is there a framework that you have landed on in terms of, you know, this is what we're going to do first, second, and third? Any insight you could provide to our listeners there?
1: So the pipeline at RAIN Therapeutics today is based on a lead program that's about to start a, a pivotal phase three clinical study in patients with a cancer called liposarcoma. The program is called RAIN32 or melidematan. This is an exciting program for us because it inhibits a target called MDM2. It's a critical regulator in the cell, and it could lead to cancer if MDM2 levels are high. And uh, high levels of MDM2 lead to an inactivation of another target called P53. Now, we won't go too far into the weeds here on mechanism, but we believe there's an opportunity for MDM2 inhibitors across a wide range of cancers. We think a successful MDM2 therapy could ultimately play a role in treating up to 50% of all cancer patients, those patients with wild type P53. Thus far, the biotech landscape has not been very successful with MDM2 inhibitors because of toxicity, of a specific on-target toxicity. However, we think we found something unique about RAIN32. It's a unique attribute that differentiates it from other programs that came before and even other programs currently in development at other companies today. RAIN32 appears to benefit tremendously from rapid tissue clearance, which has aided in identifying a successful dose schedule. Our dose schedule is not something that others can copy because it's a, it's a function of the molecular properties of the drug. And we already have clinical data that shows in early trials the safety of this specific dose schedule with RAIN32 has shown an ability to triple to quadruple the survival duration in liposarcoma versus the data for approved therapies. So this goes back again to how closely safety and efficacy are intertwined. Patients can only benefit from a therapy if they can tolerate a therapy at its efficacious dose, and it appears patients can tolerate RAIN32 quite well. What we're excited about is the opportunity to translate the safety profile and this dosing schedule to a wide variety of other tumor types, and it's opportunity to be safely combined with so many other cancer therapies to improve patient outcomes. So RAIN32 is about to start a phase three pivotal study in the second half of this year, as well as a phase two study in patients across tumor type in a basket study design in patients with a high degree of MDM2 gene amplification. Again, genetically, if there's a lot of MDM2, it's a bad thing. That basket study will start in the second half of this year. There will also be another phase two study in an orphan sarcoma indication called intimal sarcoma. And that will start late this year or by early next year. Therefore, in the very near future, RAIN is going to have a pivotal study and two phase two studies ongoing for a program that has a unique safety and efficacy program versus several prior iterations of the drug that came before us. Earlier in the pipeline, we have a first-in-class program being developed for a new target in the DNA repair space, targeted protein called RAD52. So inhibiting RAD52 is a synthetic lethal strategy in patients with other DNA repair deficiencies, such as those patients with BRCA mutations. And we may see these patients exist across breast, ovarian, and prostate cancers and others. What we've seen is that in many patients with BRCA deficiencies today, they ultimately receive PARP inhibitors, but upon relapse from PARP inhibitors, there are very few successful options. We note that RAD52 is part of an alternative repair mechanism for DNA that's independent from BRCA and independent from the PARP pathway. So it could be relied upon very heavily once patients relapse from PARP inhibitors, so targeting that uh, important pathway could be very important. So we're excited about this new strategy. And we hope to move this into ultimately for patients relapsing on PARP therapies or possibly in combination with PARP therapies early in the treatment paradigm. We know while these two pipeline programs are unique in their mechanism, both RAIN32 and RAD52, they are unified in that they both have an underlying precision oncology strategy. Both therapies will will be developed for targeted patient populations that are genetically selected that we believe will predispose those patients to being sensitive to these drugs. These two programs comprise our pipeline today at Rain. but it's important to note that one of our core competencies at the company is the ability to identify and transact for new programs, and we fully intend to aggressively ramp our pipeline across additional targeted therapies.
0: The promise of precision oncology is certainly massive and has the ability to you know, fundamentally change human health over the next several generations. So, you know, I, like many others, have lost family members to cancer. And, you know, as you mentioned, keep that as a guiding light for the work that's happening at Rate Therapeutics. I'm curious now, you know, given your finance background, and since you've seen so much on the finance side, are there any common missteps you observed bio? tech entrepreneurs making as it relates to, let's say, the business of biotech or how to fundraise or or any of those things that is your specialization. Whereas, you know, oftentimes biotech entrepreneurs will be coming from a scientific background and, and have spent much of their career in the lab. I'm curious if you could share some of those missteps that you often see.
1: That's a great question, Rahul. And I think what I would point out is the importance of picking the right investors because they're going to be your partners in the business. Now, if a business is fortunate enough to have multiple term sheets early on and an opportunity to pick those investors that would be partners, I think this selection process should not be underappreciated. Getting the right investors is extremely important. And importantly, not all investors are alike. Therefore, the two pieces of advice that I would share are, one, if you're a scientific founder, partner with a business leader prior to that initial financing so that at least you have someone on your team has raised money before, negotiated term sheets, and maybe even has a rough understanding of what that investor universe looks like in biotech, someone like that there to help steer that initial financing round. And two, pick investors that can invest through the entirety of the growth curve of a company. If there's an option to do the pick investors that are not solely private company venture investors, but they can be there to support the company through multiple rounds of future financings. Financing a business with just private company investors today that won't be there tomorrow to help participate and support the business possibly when you're public is going to present a big problem as you have to go out there and search for a new crop of investors. So we were at Rain extremely fortunate to have had very passionate, credible investor partners from the very beginning. These were public company investors that happened to take a bet on us as a private company. Now that we're public, they're still there. And they've supported the story across multiple rounds, including right now in the public markets. Those are the types of investors that I think you want to have. And so I would give that advice to emerging entrepreneurs that the investor selection process is critical
0: to get right. Great. So on that point, you know, you had a, a successful IPO filing during the pandemic. Would love to hear your perspective on why you decided to take the company public when you did and what's ahead for Rain Therapeutics.
1: So the decision to become a public company ultimately is based on having access to capital and having that access to capital during more mature stages of growth for a company. Rain is about to start a pivotal study, and if that study is successful, we would anticipate preparing to commercialize a program in liposarcoma, launching the therapy across the U.S. and around the world. That requires meaningful capital support and diversifying the shareholder base. We also believe our lead program, Rain 32 has a multitude of opportunities in other therapeutic indications, other cancers, that are, that are critically sensitive to MDM2 inhibition. And therefore, to truly recognize the opportunity available to us is to be able to move RAIN32 into various clinical trials and in combination with other agents. So being a public company for us certainly prepares us for all of these growth opportunities. And finally, being public helps to provide that liquidity for investors, and that's always a good thing. What's ahead for our company is that we'll be very active clinically for RAIN32, and you can expect to see a rapid release of data from multiple clinical studies starting in the second half of next year. And for the RAD52 program, we hope to engage in multiple scientific presentations as we lead the way for this entirely new cancer mechanism. And with success, we anticipate starting a clinical program in the next couple of years. We also fully expect to acquire additional programs and, again, continue to apply our framework for rapid decision-making and development timelines for precision oncology strategies with an even broader pipeline.
0: Great. How was the process of early stage private financing? So if you think about SEED, Series A, et cetera, would love if you could educate our listeners on what happened as you went from SEED to A to B in terms of your own ability to attract capital and how to set yourself up for success as you go from inflection point to inflection point?
1: So this is a question that many of your listeners are very focused on and how to get finance from the very beginning and, and understandably so. Series A, that first meaningful financing is the toughest part in my view. There's not much of a track record there for investors to base their decision. Series A takes a lot of time So be prepared for extensive dialogue and extensive relationship building so that not only can your investors understand what you're all about and what the team is capable of, but also for the entrepreneur to understand the potential investor and whether or not it can be a successful partnership. For our story, our Series A was based on an early program where we thought the mechanism could solve a big problem in the landscape. I think it's an important step for the entrepreneur to have those early conversations with investors to start small with a simple message and a single product or a few products, especially if you're a new entrepreneur. Approaching investors with a grandiose plan for an outside business model from the very beginning isn't going to work. I would suggest everyone focus on building a track record of success so that investors can evaluate performance over a period of time. Our Series A financing was for a relatively modest amount of around $20 million. And it let us start building the organization for operational execution. It also allowed us to build the capability in business development and let us engage in some very meaningful activities so we could ultimately license in some additional programs from that initial Series A. So by the time of that Series B financing, we leveraged the team that we built, capabilities that we acquired, and new programs that we wouldn't have been able to diligence or finance if it wasn't for the relationships built during the Series A round. I also think the storyline of the business proposition is incredibly important to get right during Series A. I'm stating the obvious here. Investors have an incredibly difficult task. They have to make decisions about investing in a story like RAIN Therapeutics, understanding the nuance of the cellular mechanisms at play for an MDM2 inhibitor, for example, and P53 biology. Then they have to jump to evaluating a company that may be developing a neurology program and then on to something else. It's the company's job to make it easy for the investors to understand as much as possible. No investor invests in a business they don't understand, or they don't invest in businesses that they have to work too hard to figure out. So my advice is for the entrepreneur to make it easy for them. Our Series B built on our story, and it saw the addition of the MDM2 inhibitor program, as well as RAD52, and it brought in a range of new investors that understood our vision to become a public company. And those were predominantly public company investors. Our Series B was effectively a crossover or mezzanine financing round that was done shortly before the IPO. The Series B was a critical step. It uh, helped us set up ourselves for success by allowing investors to participate at a lower price relative to where a public price should have been based on our pipeline. And so we brought in investors into our Series B private round, who we hope would be strong supporters of the IPO and us as a public company. Our investors in our Series A and B were the biggest participants in our recent IPO. So I think it's important to think tactically about how to bring in investors that are going to be there throughout the history of the company and as the company matures. Investors that are only going to participate for a finite period of time is bad. Investors that are influenced purely on momentum and broader sentiment, those investors can introduce unnecessary volatility into a public company share price, and that doesn't help much. The other aspects of setting up a company for success are relationships with the appropriate underwriters and equity research analysts. Taking a longer term view of success means appropriate aftermarket support as a public company. Aftermarket support with the bankers who can provide further advice, equity research analysts who will help parse out the details of the story for investors. Equity research analysts are in the business of diving extensively into a story and providing their own unique take on the merits of a company within the framework and perspective of their experience in covering other similar companies. So research analysts that have credibility with investors are very valuable. And it's important for a company that's about to be public to develop relationships with research analysts that truly understand the details and believe in your story. So I think those are the critical aspects of setting a company up for success.
0: Great advice, Sabinesh. As you look back to your younger days when you were first starting Brain Therapeutics, What's one piece of advice you wish you could give your younger self in the early days of RAIN?
1: So let me answer this in two ways, Rahul. One, in terms of the advice I would give new entrepreneurs as aspects of starting a business that may cause discomfort, but I don't think should cause discomfort. And secondarily to your point, the advice that I would give to myself. So on the first point, I think every aspiring entrepreneur needs to get comfortable with not having all the answers it's an innate human tendency to not step into a problem or situation where you don't have all the answers or you may not feel confident in addressing all the possible contingencies the reality is starting a company is like having a kid you're never going to really understand what you're going to get and the problems you're going to face or even where the successes may come from however i want to point out there's a, a tremendous amount of help available out there for entrepreneurs it's very important to ask others for guidance and assistance and mentorship i'm delighted every time i think about the level of camaraderie and collegiality in the biotech space, because everyone in this sector is unified in this fundamental goal of helping patients. We're in a great sector. So I believe that in this industry, and probably certainly characteristic of other industries as well, we all want to help one another. And so an entrepreneur doesn't need to have all the answers. So that's on the first point of what every entrepreneur should get comfortable with, is that be comfortable with not knowing everything, but be comfortable and finding solutions to problems through getting help. On the second point of what advice would I give myself in the early days, I would give myself the advice of hiring more senior executives earlier, maybe a tad earlier than we did. Using capital to hire talent is extraordinarily important. And while I think we did a very good job of going far with a limited set of team members in the early days, I look back and think we could have maybe moved even further if we had loosened the purse strings a bit earlier. A multifaceted problem-solving team is the key to success. And now as a public company, we are aggressively building our team with professionals that have the passion to move quickly and operate with a high degree of transparency, you know, extraordinary communication, and cross-departmental collaboration. So if there's anything that I would look back at and then give myself
0: advice on, I would hire
1: a bit sooner at the senior levels of the company.
0: Excellent. Well, with that last dose of insight and knowledge, Avinish, thanks so much for joining us today and for pursuing the important work that you and your colleagues are doing at Rain Therapeutics. Thank you, Rahul. Thank you for listening to this episode of Biotech 2050. This episode is hosted by me, Rahul Chaturvedi. It's edited and mixed by Megan Lovering. If you enjoyed this episode of Biotech 2050, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at biotech2050pod. Again, that's biotech2050pod. Until next time.